1: Take your seats quickly ladies and gentlemen Thank
0: you Hello ladies and gentlemen Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim Sponsored by DownloadTennis.com On today's Tour Catch-Up Critique conquers a in Astrava Djokovic captures title number 90 in Astana And Taylor
1: Fritz cracks the top 10 for the first time
0: Kim, Chris, today is the 11th of October and we are here to catch up on the Week in Tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. We have had another fascinating week or so on the ATP and WTA tours in Ostrava, Astana, Tokyo and Monastir in Tunisia. Lots to talk about. Igish Filmtech Finally falling to Barbora Krachikova in a final. Krachikova with back-to-back titles as well as Novak Djokovic who captured his 90th singles title in Astana. Taylor Fritz cracking the top 10 as well. But of course, the biggest news of all is Kim is back on the show.
2: Woo! Cue <laughs> <laughs> Celebration
0: back and 100% healthy and back from your trip from Mallorca where I feel like it was too much of a convenience for you to be out there or a coincidence even for you to be out there and baby Rafa coming into the world.
2: I know I was able to you know give my nice little birthing gift to uh, the Nadal. (laughs) That sounds a bit wrong but no it was very coincidental that I went to Mallorca and about a few hours after I arrived, the baby was born. Oh, um, wow. were
1: they waiting but, yeah, for you? Were you the doula? I, Did clearly. you deliver the baby?
2: <laughs> That's my secret role, yeah, to 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 deliver baby raffa. Um, but no, yeah, I'm 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 back. Um I'm so sorry I missed the uh the big three hundred last week. But thank you for uh for doing the doing postponing it, postponing the punishment, for postponing of <laughs> part for the court later, the celebration. Yes, I'm, i had, I had quite a few sangrias to celebrate uh, baby Rafa being born when I was in
0: in Mallorca on the weekend. So yeah, all all good news. I'm just envisaging there were like bells on the street. Everyone was out, kind of celebrating. Was it like that, or, or is that just a complete kind of? picture of imagination in my head.
2: Uh it definitely your imagination. <laughs> I think most people are just going about their business oh, okay, although he enough. is a, he is a loved son of Mallorca mm. they're very sort of humble about it all so um there's no kind of you know dramatic scenes really no national uh, day very, very private Well, there, there should be really a, a national mm. day
0: of um a holiday
2: celebration
1: for... well yeah. i
0: mean there was no there was no holiday for him was there because all of a sudden he was back on back on the court the Rafael Nadal what open academy uh playing i feel like literally like a day after his baby had been born i mean I love the dedication there, but there's got to be some questioning there on the parenting.
2: Well, I mean, that you don't get to being a 22-time Grand mm. Slam champion for, for nothing. You've got to put the hours in. He's, so. he's coming for
0: that tour finals title, isn't he? That elusive well, tour finals title
2: that is the last one remaining of the collection <laughs> so that museum isn't gonna yeah fill its shelves itself is it uh, out in Manacor so <laughs> but I mean that's been my highlight of the week the birth of baby Rafa um what, what about you I mean, you both have had good weeks I, I trust and I hope have you had any particular moments from the past week on tour that have grabbed you Joel what's your thoughts what are you gonna plump for
0: I feel like Chris is instantly going to go onto the WTA tour and talk about Ostrava, which was a cracking event, but I'm actually, I'm actually staying in Kazakhstan and I've got to talk about the semi-final between Novak Djokovic and Daniel Medvedev, which for me, I know we didn't get a conclusive. Well, we did get a conclusive ending. We've got a very bizarre ending, but the kind of the two sets um, that they played, which was split, um, four, six, seven, six, um, Yeah, for me, was such high quality tennis, Uh, like Grand Slam final, I felt like worthy tennis. And just to see them battle it out on on the tennis court, it felt like they were, you know, for me, it was like they had something to prove. And uh, regardless of this being, you know, a 500 event all the way out in in Kazakhstan, they really wanted to to bring it. You know, Djokovic making up for, for lost time. Medvedev as well, having a very kind of stop start season, I feel, with you know, kind of like like a few weeks at world number one, quite a few lost finals, you know, not being able to play as much as he would have liked with, you know, Wimbledon, you know, banning Russians and, and Belarusians. So it was amazing to see the quality I felt that they kind of brought to the court. And then all of a sudden that kind of shock ending when Medvedev, you know, Djokovic played a great tie break. Medvedev maybe could have could have snatched it with a, we had a very routine volley at five all, but yeah, he just sort of, called it in the end i think he said he was his abductor was playing up and he couldn't play on or you know he wanted to keep it um you know risk free so yeah it was it for me that was kind of the highlight in terms of yeah the quality but also that the the kind of shock ending we got as well
2: i suppose maybe he's thinking of the world tour finals as well with Mm. with any potential injury uh and i know it's not called the world tour finals but you know what i mean um the, the end of end mm. of season but yeah because he did look completely fine didn't he except for those last sort of eight points and then it was all over in a flash and on Djokovic went um on his merry way into the final for a second title not long after
0: it was funny because Djokovic like looked annoyed he looked annoyed he looked angry that uh you mm. know he was he was just sort of revving up you know having you know won that second set and I think I think he honestly said afterwards that he felt Medvedev was playing the better tennis in set one and set two so maybe yeah he was he was kind of fully pumped for you know going the honest way into a, into a third but he felt like maybe he was sort of robbed of that opportunity and um, I think for me that sort of yeah sort of annoyance that I think you, it's, you saw on the on the TV for me it just sort of cap- captured I think how you know, how much, you know, these tournaments mean to, to Djokovic at the moment, given, you know, the lack of time he's been able to spend, you know, on the tour due to his, you know, his vaccination status. And, um, you know, he obviously came through relatively more comfortably in the in the final against Sisapass, but he was given a real stern examination, I think, by Medvedev. And yeah, it was impressive to see the level that they brought out in a tournament that, Again, for me, it just it was like Grand Slam tennis on a you know, on a on a five hundred stage.
1: Yeah, it was a big match, wasn't it? I think um in that one, he was probably just quite frustrated that he was finally having one of those contests that he's been missing on the tour, having been mm. absent for a while, and he didn't get to sort of complete it. Like he was doing the problem solving, he was winning the clutch points, and he was kind of really competing again it. Sort of the highest level and some of the highest level tennis that I've seen this year. I mean, especially at a smaller tournament like a like a 500. Um, but yeah, he definitely didn't seem like he wanted to kind of accept mm. um, the retiring, which seemed very very odd in that do situation. Do you sympathise with
0: Medvedev for, for withdrawing?
1: Of course, I think he would never. You'd never want to do that. He said that he felt a strange pop in his abductor um, early in the tiebreak. It, it, it
0: didn't look like it when in that tiebreak, though, did it?
1: I mean, I've never had an abductor pop, but I wouldn't be able to play tennis like that. Was the only I thing that I would say.
2: When if, when anything suddenly pops, it's just quite disconcerting, isn't it? But I mean, if I was Djokovic, I'd be like, oh, great. I get to <laughs> not play another set and I'm into the final. I, I personally wouldn't moan about it. I mean, Chris, we're not forgetting your, your highlight of the week. But quickly, just on that final, obviously, it was Djokovic against Tsitsipas. Um, and it was sort of pretty par for the court, really. Um, par for the court? That's our game. path of the course, I should say. 6-3, 6-4. Sitspass is now not a zero from nine ATP 500 finals. So um, I know he's won some Master Series, but he obviously doesn't like a 500 uh, event. And uh, yeah, his Djokovic extends his kind of winning record and head-to-head over Sitspass. Um, but yeah, I mean, good, good title. for Novak two on the trot now of Tel Aviv. So um, and his 90th tour title overall. So big, big milestone. I, I don't know what you get for 90. What's the sort of it's not it's not golden. It's not platinum. Do, does anyone know what 90 uh, merits in kind of oh. anniversary terms?
1: I, has anyone ever got there before? That know. would be the question.
2: Something gluten-free for Novak, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah a to celebrate something. a gluten-free
1: <laughs> ninety.
0: <laughs> I mean, just on just on CISPAS's record, uh, you know, at 500s, uh, in five hundred finals, zero and nine. I mean, why? Why do you think? Why do you think that is the case? Because he seems to be doing all right. I feel like at you know at the Masters level, at, at the one thousand level, but yeah, it's just not been able to kind of do it in a in smaller tournaments, you know, he's lost twice to Djokovic, twice to Nadal, Federer, Dominic Team, uh, Rublev Zverev, and for me the probably the most surprising one, Felix Ojeh Aliassim in Rotterdam. I mean we all know his record in, in finals is not particularly great. I mean what why do you feel like he's you know just not been at the races when it comes to finals days in these in these smaller
1: tournaments?
2: saving it for the the bigger bigger events maybe or uh, just uh, i was gonna I don't say think he's it.
1: getting it done in the bigger events either though him. i think against Coric it's <laughs> oh, no. a bit out of sorts i mm. felt and uh i don't i don't know what it is particularly but i think he previously probably had some expectation at some of those smaller tournaments And maybe in some of the bigger ones early in his career, there wasn't as much expectation. And now it's kind of flipped and he isn't getting the results that he needs. And maybe he's a bit more stressed in those situations because he should be beating some of these players and winning some of these titles. Obviously, I don't think that about Djokovic, but I think against Koric um, in in Canada, that was um, a match where he... He was completely outplayed and he did look a bit out of sorts at times and i think there's something has changed in his mentality where he hasn't pushed on like some of the other players have and he's kind of stayed in the middle and hasn't um i don't know maybe it's ever since paris i really do think that when you are in that sort of winning situation and you aren't getting it done it's always going to be in the back of your mind somewhere but he needs, to I mean, speak to he needs to speak to Andre Rublev.
0: He needs to speak to Andre
1: Rublev about ATP five hundred. King of the 500s, Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, although he did beat Rublev in the uh, semi-final mm. this past week. Uh, just one other player to touch upon in in Astana. Uh, the return of Carlos Alcaraz, you know, world number one US Open champion. You called this Joel, I think, um, didn't you? I think you said that this had upset potential. Oh, okay. I think
1: Joel I, I said, said Carlos complete... was going to win the title. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> I said was the it complete you? opposite, Kim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, some, was it you, Chris? I think Open? I went upset oh, alert, a lucky story. loser, David Goffman I'm... I'm
1: playing world number one. I thought it could be on, it could be on.
2: I do apologise, Chris. I'll uh, I'll buy you some time to make up yeah. for that faux pas. Uh, <laughs> he did yes, lose in the
1: next round, though. <laughs> yes, Goffin. straight
2: sets, Carlos out to to David Goffin. I mean, are you sort of surprised by that? We do often see that first match back. You know, it's a bit rusty. He said he was struggling with like the slowness of the courts and just you know, Goffin was obviously had won a few matches and, and being Goffin you know, on his day, he can play very very well. So, so are you, anyone worried about about that at all? For Alcaraz th- fans?
1: I'd be a little bit concerned that, um, you know, a slow court is, was the problem there. Mm. Um, Lucky the loser 30. David Goffin as well. I mean, he yes. lost to like
0: a teenager I hadn't even heard of. In, he in lost to a
1: 19-year-old, fight. replaced a 19-year-old the draw. Mm. It was Holger Runa that he replaced. And then he beat a 19-year-old in the form of the world number one. But it was the first match that he hadn't won a set in for 63 matches. Um so that's an amazing kind of feat. The fact that he's always been competitive. Mm. Uh, so I guess you have to slightly read into it that it was always going to happen, but it is a bit out of the out of the ordinary for him.
0: I'd just say it's more of a blip, more than anything. I think even though he's a you know young guy with with lots of energy, he's played a lot of tennis this year, and um, you know it just shows. I think that you know the rigors of the game, and you know it's come obviously an on un- like an unfortunate. Uh, you know, moment, you know, coming in as world number one, you want to kind of show your authority and that you belong at the top of the tree. But, you know, it's it does bring a different sort of pressure and that's, this will be a new, you know, experience for, for you know, for Alcaraz. Um, you know, Medvedev has had a few weeks at number one um, as well. And similarly, I don't feel played particularly well. And, um, you know, I think just getting used to just being up there is going to take a little bit of time and perhaps it was weighing on his shoulder going in you know his first tournament back on the atb tour since you know winning the you know winning the us open um yeah maybe in a bit of bit of pressure on him but you know david Goffin is not an opponent you want to face i feel in in the first round very experienced he did play fa- you know fantastically i mean it surprised me a little bit but um it really did kind of give me like a, a throwback of of David Goffin from uh you know a few years ago
1: i think it surprised him as well david goffin seemed mm. to be quite surprised by the the way that he played and so did carlos i mean he has got a win under his belt already from uh, the davis cup so there's it's not like it's been a um straight to, straight to a, a loss there um he has had a win and a loss at, at mm. the davis cup and uh, I guess it's about after you know a big win like that. It takes a bit of time to readjust the tour. Rabikina had the same thing, and it is quite regular um, for this sort of thing. So, not too concerned just yet, but it's gearing up for a pretty fascinating, fascinating Open uh, end of season championships.
2: It is, it is. And and, and Chris, um, you know, let, let's sort of before we move on to other tournaments that have happened in the past week, um, I know you've had a few moments that you've enjoyed from the tour. Mm. Um what's shone out, you know, out of uh I know and we know you're gonna say something on the WGA side, so <laughs> what, what's what floated your boat particularly?
1: The last I, I have gone very niche WTA this week. Whilst Joel might go for the predictable <laughs> answer in the form of Medvedev Djokovic, I've actually gone for a particular game of the Kvitova-Bedosa round of 16 in Ostrava, which was at 7-6, 4-3 to Kvitova. <laughs> Kvitova on serve. I recommend everybody look up this clip. It had two of the best backhands I've ever seen on the WTA tour from Paula Bedosa. And they were down the line, on the run, on the stretch. Both of them were challenged. Both of them were the line. Kvitova then was painting lines herself. Um, and then she finished it with an ace. And every single point was won with a winner. And um, I could watch that game on repeat. I thought it was fantastic. And um, I recommend anyone to have a little look at the highlights from that match because I thought that was some exceptional tennis. Um and always good to see Kvitova playing well in her home country, even if she did get Rybukinad in the next round. But I would say that was my that was my highlight of the week, just watching some exceptional clean hitting. How was your
0: highlight not the final, Iga Fiontek Barbora Krachikova, which for me was, I would say... The obvious of, answer, Joel. One of, of answer, the matches Joel. of the season.
1: I think it was probably the match of the season. Yes, mm. another highlight. But I had to start <laughs> with the real highlight, which was four three in the second set of Kvitova <laughs> Bedosa. Um, but no, that, that as you say, that final was pretty epic.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I I'm just shocked that the Iga Swiatek has has lost a final. This is the first final she's lost since well forever uh, because she's just been so dominant, <laughs> and we don't expect her to to get you know. A runners-up trophy. Uh, but Barbara Kuchikova, yeah, absolute credit to her. After about three hours and 15 minutes, she found a way to, uh, yeah, get a home title and, and beat, beat Iga Shvante, the world number one. So, um, obviously, Iga did her utmost. She, uh, you know, saved quite a few championship points before I think five Kuchikova got there. But, um, yeah, I think – and a nice to see Kuchikova – getting some form again because she's sort of been in the wilderness a bit. I know she had a lot of injury at the start of the year, but I think really, really nice um, for her to kind of get this this title and and do it in this manner as well, beating Svantec.
1: Great for the WTA Tour. You have to feel that in a season where egos run away with everything and it's almost ego versus the rest of the field Mm. it's actually great to watch her challenged and i think she genuinely Mm. i mean there were some tears after it but i think she genuinely enjoyed the challenge and she said that she did and people have talked about this as potentially being a very a very good rivalry moving forward for me what was most enjoyable about the match was that kujikova kind of got her her head back in in the game i think that's one thing that really impressed me about her french open run was that she was able to keep a level head whatever situation she was in. And she did it a couple of times against Rod Bikina. She was very close to to going out. Um, She went down the first set against Iga and she just kept such a level head, kept playing, kept testing her um, and kept believing in herself. And I think it was fantastic to see, you know, that a slam champ is back up um, on the rise and not just on the doubles court. After we did dedicate last year's um, Path of the Courts to doubles and singles specialist Joel didn't we
0: (laughs) I know well I was thinking actually you know her you know her prowess on on the doubles court I certainly think helps her you know on the singles court and I think you know I think you know her beating Svantec to me just shows that what you know just how complete of a game I think you need um you know when you step on a court with with someone like Svantec and I think Kritikova has great movement and I really think that helps you know, on a fast indoor court, um, you know, like it was in Ostrava. In and um, I just think, yeah, having all those tools available to you, you're going to need absolutely everything at your disposal, I think, to defeat Shviontek. And Kritikova, I think, has showed over the last couple of weeks that, you know, she's back to that kind of ability. I think, you know, it was unfortunate, I think, that, yeah, as you said, Kim, that yeah, her injuries sort of derailed, you know, her, her, her earlier in the season, particularly on the clay when... I've, I feel like that's one of her, you know, her strongest surface. So it's almost a little bit of a surprise to see her do so well towards the back end of the season on these indoor hard courts. But yeah, it's it's great to see. And, you know, she has got an outside chance of potentially being at the, you know, the end of season finals, um, you know, later on um, at the end of the season. But um, yeah, just playing some fantastic tennis at the moment. And, you know, I think riding on that, you know, that wave of momentum from Tallinn, certainly helped um i know she's a bit i think she's already kind of pulled out of um uh playing in i think she was meant to play in cluj i think was it cluj in romania this week yep. it was indeed yeah, yeah. she
1: was going to be playing there and obviously she said that mm. she played a lot of tennis and had a bit of um bit of wrist issues mm. but i think that's such a great point on she was playing with real tenacity some of this when she's pulled out wide some of the forehand slices it was almost monica nicolescu-esque in terms of how difficult they were to retrieve and she was moving, I mean, as well as I've seen her move. And that's a great point. It was very sad watching her go out in the first round of the French Open defending it when I, you kind of felt like the only reason so why many she tears. came back.
0: I mean, there was so many tears, you know, it was tears there. It,
1: you know, it just mm. was an
0: awful just She, she came back too soon. Yeah. That's the
1: only thing you could really think about is mm. that she really wanted to try and defend, mm. even yeah. though she knew she couldn't defend. But she's got it going again. And there was a nice thing in the final that um, Ego donated her prize money um, so it was kind of just a, a good vibe all around that one because it had a great atmosphere with being so close to the Polish border. It actually felt like it was more Eager's home tournament. Um, but yeah, that was um, a real fan crowd favorite and and great for the tour.
2: Yeah, I think Iga said that her prize money is going towards mental health charities in Poland. And, you know, she almost won won the title. She she, she was a couple of points away herself. So it was a fantastic match. Um, really good end to a, to a good week of tennis in in Ostrava with three exclamation marks. <laughs> uh, it's not just Ostrava, it's Ostrava. Ostrava. Um, <laughs> I mean, elsewhere on the WTA Tour, we had the very prettily named Jasmine Open uh, out in Monastir, which um, out in Tunisia, so on Jabor's you know, home, home event. But yeah, it wasn't to be for her because um, Elise Mertens won this title. Absolutely thrashed uh, Elise Cornet in the final. Um, first title of the year, I think, for, for Elise Mertens. She's had a bit of a so-so year and, you know, hasn't really been performing, shall we say, although she's normally a very consistent player but yeah 6-2 six, 6 love dismantled cornet um what did you make of of mertens is is weak
0: out in uh, tunisia
1: well you know i was watching kim i was watching
0: <laughs> i was surprised how singles how single site uh, how one sided that final was cuz i was looking in the in the in the in the build up and the preview there head to head it was very very even very very 50-50 so yeah
1: for me to watch the highlights and, and see that scoreline i was i was pretty surprised by it it was quite an odd one um in the statistics for that match i think there was just a seven seven more unforced errors mm. from um elise Cornet and that was the, the real difference in that ma- match um there was a few really key uh double faults at inopportune moments and then it just kind of ran away from her where she never really got the form going again but when merton's is on um the consistency she can get to the fourth round it.
0: of a grand slam
1: yes we know that chris yes like 25
2: and... <laughs> times in a row
1: yes yes she can um well the third round third round it was sorry yeah third round. but what i think what was interesting i mean this tournament um you know she
0: you know mertens did have her you know her down moments you know herself wasn't i feel like particularly strong it wasn't rock solid i would say kind of throughout you know she dropped sets um, you know she was broken um, it felt quite quite easily in in the build-up so I felt like there were still vulnerabilities there that um, you know Corne could have targeted and and Kim as you said kind of for Mertens hasn't had the you know the most I wouldn't say dare I say the most consistent um, of, of years so it was not Yeah, nice to see her you know get a title but I think a lot of people were saying wow you know the tennis in Ostrava Yeah, certainly that was that was something and again Grand Slam quality but yeah I don't know Merton's Cornet in this final d- didn't didn't feel like it it sort of lived up to the spectacle of of you know what was going down in Ostrava
2: yeah I was expecting a bit more from Cornet given her mm. her form this year actually but um yeah Merton's on it in the final I have to say though I I did find it funny going over to the double side of things Kristina Mladenovic she won that with the uh, Katerina Sinyakova, attempted a little bit of uh mm. Tunisian Arabic with her her victory speech and we know how many languages she likes to speak so is this is this a new addition to her repertoire of what are we at now tw- 28 languages
0: Mugaretha will be be impressed
1: right <laughs> super impressed i don't think it went down too well though i'm not sure people quite understood what she meant but um, i hope we gave we it a go them, she gave it a go exactly. i'd be i'd
0: be useless uh, I'd yeah, I'd be useless. What language would you want if you were in the, in that situation? Uh,
1: Ooh, if I had to say
0: something, <laughs> uh, Kim, Can you I feel Danish? like you're going to say
2: Spanish, Chris. Uh, no, are
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, I feel like you could you could you could pass off a, a, a ceremony in Spanish, couldn't you?
2: Um, I could probably just about. I mean, when they ask, you could thank pen- Rafa. <laughs> when they ask, yeah, players were Spanish players. You know how they've played. They sort of tend to say the same sort of things. So, I've got better at understanding the Spanish tennis kind of um, vocabulary or however you say but yeah I mean uh, I just I admire anyone who is a multi-linguist so uh, they always put us to shame don't they tennis players with their their well-versed talking dictionaries Um, (laughs) but um, I mean two players who well, I mean, they might speak other languages. I'm not 100% sure. But two two players out in the final in Tokyo, going back to the men's side of things, two English-speaking players, Taylor Fritz and Francis TFO, um, headlining that one with the final. Fritz beating TFO in 2 tiebreak sets. Um to get his third title of the year.
0: TFO losing tie breaks. What yeah, is that TFO about? was
2: on a 13 tiebreak win streak. <laughs> um, but what, a Fritz, what a claim.
0: What a claim.
2: So 13 unlucky though, 13 and no mm, more. But yeah, true, Taylor yeah. Fritz um winning that title into the top 10 for the first time, which makes him the first American in the top 10 since. Can anyone tell me who was the last American to break the top 10?
1: I actually do not know.
2: I was going to say Andy Roddick in my head, but that's that's wrong. There have been two... Well, <laughs> You'll
1: always think about Andy Roddick. We been at least a few <laughs> since then, yeah. I don't know. Is it Isner? Is it John Isner? Isner? Oh, no, break uh, into for the first time, so it wouldn't be Isner.
2: John Isner was in 2012. He he made his top 10 debut. But we had Jack Sock more recently in 2017. Oh, okay. oh, so goodness. Taylor Fritz has uh, yeah, in the pan. joined that elite mm level of uh American players I don't feel like that he would want to be
0: given where Jack Sock went from to wouldn't want to necessarily be yeah I don't feel like connected to well, that stuff, I but... don't
1: know Jack Sock is the has the most match wins at the Labour Cup of anyone well, that is very from true <laughs> he does bring it out for Labour Cup he said Federer packing yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so um but the thing about this one, I could not believe the the story here that Taylor Fritz had been in hard quarantine in Korea until the morning of his tournament and he got a flight, I think something like 6am um, from Korea to Tokyo to play the match, um, just about managed to get through his first couple of rounds and then it seemed like he was back in business but that last week he was bench pressing his girlfriend in the hotel room as part of his strength training um, I mean
0: absolutely I mean that's that's part of the <laughs> I mean that's part of the tennis player's rule, book, right
1: maybe he'd incorporate that into his routine, but I mean it's an unbelievable story <laughs> going from hard quarantine mm. to his third title of the year and kind of break into the the world's top eight. I'm slightly disappointed that he did win it because he was due to play in Stockholm, and I yeah, think maybe after the hard say. quarantine. I'm, go- I'm due to be going to that tournament and Taylor Fritz no longer will be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know he's pulled out but you do have, because Sispas has taken a wild card, so. He has um, indeed. He has indeed. We yeah. all a top tenner there. But yeah, he, I think Fritz took literally the last round one slot on, on the Wednesday to play his match against Duckworth and he only just um, came through it. There was a bit of a wobble um, you know, in, the, in that kind of yeah, that second set, um, and maybe got a bit lucky with Nick Kyrgios, um, you know, conceding uh, in in the quarterfinals. Didn't take to the court, so went through on a, on a walkover. Um, but yeah, he had a you know very good run. He's had a very good season, I think. You know, I, I would feel like we kind of think about him in terms of his his losses, I would, you know, particularly at, at Wimbledon. But you know, to to Rafa, but um, you yeah, know, he's had a, a great season, and I think only. Novak Djokovic aside, I think he's the only other uh, player to have won a two fifty, a, a five hundred, and a, and a thousand title this season. So yeah, he's doing very well on the on the circuit, and and Francis Tiafoe as well has been. You know, I feel like he's you know he's very much kind of kicked on. You know, semifinals at the the U.S. Open. For me, he's another player who again. Do you feel like he can break the top ten as a, as an American? I feel like we're just talking mm. about Americans, and you know how there's there's a lot of depth there at the moment with with these two Brooksby Isner still knocking around i know riley opelka's not in great form at the moment but there's quite a few in the you know the top 50 and the top top 100 does it feel like these two are kind of your are a little bit apart from everyone else at the moment or
2: yeah i i think i mean they are the the, the highest ranked at present especially yeah i mean taylor fritz and probably the most consistent over the year but Obviously, got Corder and Nakashima to throw mm. in there as well. They do have such Don't great. get Nakashima at the moment, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see Francis TFO crack the top ten. He's up. He's up to seventeen. So we could have a London bus situation. Two, mm. two Americans going in within the space yeah. of you know however long. There's been we'll such a
0: dearth, hasn't there, for for a while. I mean, the fact that Jack Sott was the last American man to make their top ten debut, and we're talking. Way back in November 2017, you know, for a nation of America's stature, it, it still feels like that's, you know, five years it still feels like that's too long for, you know, the next American to, you know, to come along.
1: It does feel like it's been it's been a while. And I remember there was that question that Murray got asked at Wimbledon about um, how long it's been since there's been a, a, a men's semi-finalist from the uh, from the U.S., and he was like of oh, Serena Williams obviously is the the person. And there was that big question, And mm. Sam Query was the last one in the semifinal, I think, at that time. And there really has just been that um lack of presence at the top tier of tennis, especially at the Grand Slams. So I think it's great that they're both playing well. I think I love watching Taylor Fritz play. I think it's such a fluid game. Um and with Francis, he's obviously Oh, it's so natural Mm. Um, and it's such a a great shot off the ground. I think with Francis, he always reminds me a little bit of Dan Evans in that mentality where sometimes he's really there, sometimes he drifts away. And part of the reason I think he gets into so many tie breaks is because he doesn't necessarily maintain concentration throughout the entirety of of a set. Um, But again, I think it's great that he's able to back it up because it could have been quite different where he might not have been spurred on. Um, But instead, he produced some really good tennis and gave himself a good shot at taking one of those sets.
0: I mean, is it, just just on that, it's quite interesting you talk about, you know, the number of, of tie breaks that, that, you know, TFO has won this season. Yes, he, he lost these two. I mean, how do, you, how do you interpret that? Do you interpret that like he needs to do more to try and break his opponent's serve and really kind of go uh, and attack it? Or do you think he can you know, be content in like, you know, I'll, I'll try and get it to, you know, six all and then, you know, I'm going to really focus on the tie break and, 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 you know take take that sort of approach how do you how do you see that kind of you know tie break sector is it a good record to have or do you feel like he should be able to kind of you know with his ability he should you know he should be trying to you know make these sets you know less complicated than sometimes they they can be
1: well think about the classic players that we know to get into tie breaks on the regular it's the very tall it's the very um good servers who serve a really high number of aces and that's the traditional nature would be that un- it's unable to break them. Um, and I think it's a case where with TFO, you don't want to be in as many tie breaks a- as he is in. I think you want to be able to get the damage done and you want to be able to make your mark a bit more. And I think you will always have chances. Um, I think even in uh, the match that I was watching in the final, uh, there were quite a lot of break points here to save. Um, and so I think it's it's an unusual um statistic and unusual situation for someone with his game to be in mm. um but i do yeah. think when he pushes on um he, he will hopefully kind of get it done quicker and be able to maintain his focus because otherwise you will give players who rank below you opportunities and he has had a tendency to do that in the past
0: yeah he's certainly for me a player who you know loves the you know loves the the big court loves all the you know the entertainment and the buzz um but yeah there are sometimes for me there's that lack of consistency that i feel like a taylor fritz has showed more of and that has enabled him into the you know into the top 10 i mean one other player before we go to a break uh, you guys um casper rude casper rude carlos alcaraz lost um you know his first tournament back post us open on the atp tour casper rude also did the same and kim he lost a jaume munar 6-3, 6-3 in Tokyo, straight sets. I mean, I, again, I was not expecting this to happen, but um yeah, a little bit of a hangover for both of the the US Open men's finalists.
2: I think um Xiaomei Munar, you know, doing it for Mallorca uh, with that one. <laughs> <laughs> also knew I was mm. going for the weekend. You yeah, wanted Rafa back up
0: to, uh, to world number two.
2: Exactly. There's always a bit of a hangover there, isn't there, after... Mm slams and and we've seen it so many times before so that doesn't that also doesn't surprise me to be fair and I do I do think Jaume on his days yeah not not too shabby but um, on that note let's take a quick break now but we'll be back In the second half, to talk a lot more about uh, the Billie Jean King Cup finals and all the squad announcements, Uh, a special path for the courts uh, where I'm, I think, facing off against Joel and also uh, looking ahead to all the action this week, including San Diego. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim and Chris, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to a very special edition of Par for the Courts, which Chris, I think you are hosting. Uh, yes, because me indeed. and Joel are going to have a, a bit of a battle <laughs> this evening.
1: I thought, what what better way, Kim, to celebrate the fact that you guys have got to 300 episodes than putting you to the test with a 300-themed <laughs> Par for the Courts. Ooh. It is a challenge. Oh, I've been um, looking
0: forward to this for like the last like week or so. Um, I think it's built up the anticipation. It has built Joel, up the anticipation, it? but it's also built up the jeopardy as well, I think.
1: Yes. And I have you been Googling the number 300 <laughs> when it comes to tennis? <laughs> oh, Anybody? that would have been
2: a great shout. <laughs>
1: Please be honest, have you? No, um, no, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll no find I find not. <laughs> we'll find Literally, out if Joel performs yeah. particularly well. <laughs> so the way that this will, will work... We have two par for the courts. Um, and it will be up to you guys to decide how many of the answers you think you can get to set par, and then the other person will decide if they think they can beat you or they're gonna call your bluff. And you have to put your money where your mouth is and list the answers. So, um we will have Kim can set par for the first one. Okay. Um Happy with that first. Yep. yeah are you okay with that joel okay for it. <laughs> um and the first question is players who have over 300 grand slam match wins and it's men's <laughs> and women's oh <laughs> i can i can tell you there are there are five answers that i'm looking for what would you like to set par kim
2: so three hundred Grand Slam match wins, just to current clarify. current players, C- current players or retired.
1: It is of all time,
2: of all time. Okay, and in the singles. Um. Okay. That is correct
1: across I... the men's and women's.
2: Oh, okay. I'm gonna say I could get three. Is that actually low? Three, three or five? I think. Three
1: or five, three? Joel. Okay. Um. You've got to play it, Joel, haven't you?
0: oh i don't know oh. no kim i'm tell i'm i'm not convinced i've got four i'm not convinced i've got four answers but i'm not convinced they all correct so i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out kim bring it I'll home your, kim. i, I want to hear you do this
2: oh god um okay and it's men and women right correct um, okay oh i've just had a thought i was thinking of just people who've played loads of slams not necessarily winning matches um okay oh well okay um Oh I'll go for the obvious ones maybe. Uh Roger Federer.
1: That is correct answer. Raphael
2: Uh Rafael Nadal.
1: Another correct answer. Ooh.
2: Oh, maybe I should have gone for more than three. Uh Novak Djokovic.
1: Another correct answer. Would oh. you like to keep going? Oh.
2: Um And this is ever in the open era. Yes. Um, Serena Williams?
1: That's another correct answer. Oh, Oh, I definitely could have got all of
2: these. I could have Um, gone for more. I'm
0: crying into a pillow tonight. Um, This is shocking from me. Who uh, else? there's one other player.
1: So I can... Steffi Graf? There is one other player. I can tell you it's not Steffi Graf. Martina Navratilova? Um, It's Martina Navratilova.
0: Oh, I could have got all five there. I definitely could have got all five.
1: Yes, that's Roger Federer with 369. Serena Williams with 358. Then it's... 334 for novak djokovic rafael nadal 312 martina navratilova with 306 and then chrissy Evert had 299 just one Ooh. win away Ooh. from the exclusive 300 club which you are both a part of joel <laughs> and kim having made it to 300 oh. match wins on the podcast court so kim, kim um, is one nil up that is one nil up um I think, John, you got a bit be, be a bit braver. I've got on a bit braver. One. I know. I've got to go. Got um, to go brave so, are you ready for the yes. second part okay. of the course of this week?
2: Let's do it.
1: And it's this is players who have spent over three hundred weeks as world number one.
0: Male or female?
1: It is across both, and there may be some crossover.
0: And how many? How many answers are there total?
1: There are five. Oh,
0: oh, another five. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna have to go. I feel I'm gonna have to go broke here. Um, I'm gonna say, f- I'm gonna go four. I'm not sure Kim's gonna say five. <laughs>
2: um, so, or is ooh. she? Mm.
0: Oh, be a big. That would be a big call.
2: So three hundred or more weeks at world number one. Uh, and you oh, are
1: allowed to have crossover with the previous question.
2: I will say five. sod it. Oh,
1: <laughs> here it we go. Take control of your destiny, Kim.
2: Uh, right. Roger Federer. Uh,
1: that is the correct answer.
2: Novak Djokovic. Yes. Um, Serena Williams. Yes. I don't think Raff has actually made 300 weeks at number one, is he? Uh, or maybe he has. Uh, but I think I need to go with, uh, Pete Sampras. <laughs>
1: I'm afraid that's an incorrect answer. Oh, no. <laughs> oh Kim, you oh, were too brave God there. Wins. That was too, too brave. brave. Joel, are there any that you would have got?
0: Uh, I would have gained Jimmy Connors,
1: John McEnroe. Well, I can tell you that it was only two male players. And you were completely right. Rafa is not one of them. Um, it was just Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic at 312 weeks of Federer, at 373 mm. for Djokovic. And then the female players were Steffi Graf, um, 377 weeks in a relatively short career compared to the other two in the category, which are Serena and Navratilova with 319 and 332. So it is one all. <laughs> um, I um, This is not necessarily too fair on Kim, but the tie break question relates to the first episode. Um, <laughs> cast your mind back 300 wow. episodes. Well, 301 episodes now. What's awesome. it? Um,
2: the first episode Joel on a park bench or something
1: no that was I it does uh, sound going... like that from audio quality yeah. <laughs> um, but in that episode that I listened to uh, Joel was reporting on the events of the 2018 Estoril Open <laughs> <laughs> um, Joel for the win I will let you have this for the okay. win if you can get this okay which all British doubles partnership took home the title that week
0: ooh
1: That's
0: a great question. Wow. Um, Oh, do you know what? I think I've got it. I think I've got it. Maybe not. Is it? For Glory Joel. Colin Fleming and Ross Hutchins.
1: Ooh,
2: that's a blast from the past.
1: That would be a very good guess. I have to say, very surprisingly, it was Kyle Edmund and Cam Norrie. Oh. (laughs) who won the title in a first-time partnership taking out wesley kohlhoff and artem sitak 6462 and i just thought that was a very unusual thing from the first episode wow that it was a doubles title for cam Norrie. to be honest i'm surprised you got that
0: far in that episode because uh, they were shorter than joel they were shorter
1: (laughs) (laughs) but a draw well done both um if you'd like to know, in the 2018 Estoril Open, it was actually Francis Tifo who lost in that final oh, to okay. Joao Sousa. So a big theme on this week.
2: And Joao Sousa has just lost very easily to Dominic Thiem, mm. I think. We've okay. come full circle, that is yeah. correct. We've there come we full circle. Wow. He's still active.
1: Wow. Still um, active. A Part draw. Course,
0: eh? I mean, it's so British, a draw, Kim. We're going to have to... We could rock, papers scissors for after. We've got to come back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but moving on, we do have uh, a mailbag for our 301st episode. And this is from Paula on email. Um, Paula wrote in to us and said this. With a beetle found in Western Serbia named the Duvalius Djokovic after Novak Djokovic, if you could name an insect after a player... What would it be? Oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is like pun pun central, I feel. Um,
1: oh,
2: goodness. Novak like Djokovic has an insect named after him in, in Western Serbia. This is the whole... Um, it's a cockroach, like, isn't it, I think? Is that is that a compliment or a...
1: I know, believe maybe? it's a beetle. I'm not oh, sure if is the beetle. Beetle? a type of cockroach <laughs> okay. before you... That might cause some controversy there, um Joel. What would I name after a certain player? Um what about a mugarutha or a Murray moth? That might be quite nice.
2: <laughs> Raphael Nadal.
1: Oh, it had to would, be Kim. That... <laughs> it had to be. Or,
2: um Bethany Sands.
1: That's a like, very good one.
2: Bees, buzz. Oh Marie buzz cover I feel like that's been done before.
1: Barbora. Cricket Chikova. Oh, oh, that's good. A that's, a the that's the I winner.
0: That's the winner. I'm I yeah. I'm trying to think of um my brain my brain has gone no,
1: I've got nothing. It's still in Esteril twenty eighteen. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think that's pretty cool though, that Djokovic has a as an insect named after him um maybe they'll he'll start getting moons and stars named after him next that seems this to is be a, a gateway
1: naming isn't a, it? King?
2: a type of rose you know they're, they're always named after famous people <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a lovely color orange though the beetle i have to say for the visual if you haven't got it it's mm-hmm. um quite an impressive looking um <laughs> quite an impressive looking bug
2: duvalius Jokovici that could uh, certainly remember that it might feature in a, a quiz le- later this year Hint, hint. Um, But let's move on. We've got some other news from from the past week. Billie Jean King Cup squads have been announced. Um, We've got about a month till that kicks off. Uh, We've got Group A, uh, B, C and D. uh, Lots of different players involved. I mean, looking at it, Group D is probably looking like the tough one because you've got the Czech Republic and the USA, both of which have the, I would say the strongest teams on on paper. Uh, you may care to disagree, but yeah, what are you what are you thinking when you're looking at the lineups for um for the Fed I'm, Cup? I'm
0: thinking how many of these players are going to drop out. If I'm being quite honest, wow. I remember I remember these being announced last year, and yeah, they're not necessarily being you know what you got. I feel like on event day, um, I thought it was interesting to hear. Um, you know, USA have got Jesse Pegula and. Coco Gough uh, in the squad at the moment. Um, I think Pegula is now qualified for the end of season finals um, in the singles um, and she I think has said that she would aim to play both of them unlike um, Iga Svantec who's just said you know, logistically continent to continent is just too much for me. It's interesting that other players have actually said I'm going to try and do both. Um, I think it's maybe easier for for players like Goff and and Pegula, where maybe other players can do more of the kind of the singles matches, and maybe they can come in for the you know the odd doubles, and you know they enjoy the team spirit, and maybe Igor Shviontsev feels a, you know bigger weight on her sh- shoulders in terms of you know she'll feel like she has to play absolutely um, everything. But um, yeah, yeah, for me that USA team is is very strong, but interesting, yeah, to see some of those players are just are still prioritising Billie Jean King Cup regardless of you know where their you know their singles ranking might take them um, in terms of the the end of season finals
1: yeah and Madison Keyes and Danielle Collins have always made it super clear if they get asked they're going to play and if they're mm. fit they're going to play so I think it's great that they're on the team last year Danielle Collins is playing as the number one player and she's had since then she's reached a Grand Slam final had a career high ranking and she's almost um, is she fourth on the list in terms of ranking at the moment Um so that's just shows the depth and strength of the U S team going into that because they had a good run to the semifinals last year. It's great to see Taylor Townsend back in the favor of the USTA. I think she's more than deserved her spot with some great results, um, reaching the final of, uh, and the semifinal of grand slams and doubles this year. Um, I think you're completely right, Joel. If eager was there, she'd be playing singles and doubles in every tie. And that obviously, is something that does not set her up for the perfect end-of-season championships. And she's probably learned from the Kajika for example, from from last year that it just kind of um, was a step too far uh, for the body. I think the Czechs obviously look like they're also in Group D. Von um, have played fantastically last time. They've got some real great depth there with Piscova as well. They'll be tough to beat. Um, in fact, that would be a great match to be at. You feel like there's a few, few teams like the the Belgians, the Slovakias, the Australias, um, which Great haven't Britain. quite... Great Britain. I I think we've got some good strength. I think um, if Anne Kiovathong's playing for us, you know, maybe <laughs> she'll be able to get one. Um, I mean,
0: Harriet Dart is playing, is in good form, I feel, on the, on the tour at the moment. I'm, I, you know, Emma Raducanu is on the, is on the initial squad. I'm still very sceptical whether she's going to, we're actually going to see her on court and whether she's being used for in marketing and just kind of ticket sales, but um yeah, it's uh you know, Radicanu, Dart, Bolter Watson. Um, not as many players as, as some of the other squads, but yeah, what what do you I think, yeah, Dart for me is like the most informed player we have at the moment and it I feel like our chances really do rest on if, if Radicanu is going to be kind of fit and firing for this.
2: I mean, should we mention with regards to Emma that the recent news that Apparently she's, yeah, parted ways with with Dimitri Tursunov. Mm. I mean, what, what do we all make of that? We were all hoping this wouldn't happen. Uh, they've been together, what, a couple of months now? Yet she's another coach has gone. Um, I mean, this is sort of... What, what are your initial thoughts on that one? Because it doesn't look good, does it? It keeps happening.
1: I mean, I think this one is a bit different from the previous one. Because I think as as is being reported is that the 19-year-old was what Radhikani was wishing to continue working with him. Um, But kind of Terzanov actually, it seems like he's lined up someone else to work with. So that is something that is quite unusual from the the Emma story. Obviously, people would have, just after the US Open, be lining up to try and coach her because that would have been such a coveted gig. You know, probably one of the most um, exciting prospects for tennis. So it's very um unusual for Taz not to leave. It clearly wasn't something that he he thought that was going to work in the long term as a partnership. Um, he's very matter of fact and frank with how he how he deals with people. So I'm sure we will hear more about this. Um the positive side of it is that she is now working with Andy Murray's sort of former um sort of physical trainer, Jez Green, which has been super important to her in terms of getting back into fitness. Um because that's something that we have seen her body sort of falling apart at times throughout the year and under sort of Jazz Green, helping with the physical side of things, he picked up one of his Wimbledon titles, a US Open title, an Olympic gold medal. So when it comes to conditioning, he is um at, well, one of the absolute best that you can work with. Um but I mean it is it's very shocking. You know, we felt like she was on the up again. Um and for a tennis coach to walk away from one of the sports most exciting by I me and I can't believe it really
0: do you think that damages her i know her reputation in terms of you know coaches who are going to want to work with her because again as you said it's 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 not the it's not the way round i feel like you uh, you know we you would expect based on the the mm. reports mm. um that we you know that we're hearing and we don't know whether you know where Tersenov, um is going to end up we understand um he is going to be uh, hooking up with another player but we don't know who that is at the moment but yeah for emma it's like back to the drawing board for what it feels like the what 10th 10th time now um yeah it it doesn't feel like a great image or or presentation she's got going if the coach has now you know been like actually solved this you know i'm i'm off to coach coach someone else
1: yeah she's if you were a coach i'm not sure that you would particularly want to take on uh this sort of role right now with emma Mm. um i think it would be one which wouldn't necessarily be a great thing for your career given how short some of the stints have she has had with coaches and how it is very much a trial basis where a lot of people don't make it past the trial then someone's just left the position um but i think it'd be interesting to see that if her fitness is up and she's able to compete on a more regular basis with her sort of her father in her corner and she's got a very good tennis head she can do very well without a coach, and she's kind of talked about that as a as um something that she thinks is a strength of hers so is that she's able to to do well with that. But I think I'd be calling up the the coach that took me to the U.S. Open title if I were her at this stage. <laughs> I feel like Kim saying the same thing.
2: Yeah, well, quite. I mean, she'd never have got rid of him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a shame that Terstam hasn't worked out, and I do hope that there can be a forged, uh, you know, a longer term partnership. But it's obviously, you know, we- we're not in the inside the the emma camp so they all have their reasons but um yeah we'll uh keep i keep feeling like we're saying oh we'll have to see about this (laughs) see how it goes but (laughs) it's just quite frustrating isn't it i think british tennis fans are thinking what on earth but um yeah hopefully she'll be at the billy jean king cup especially you know at home so well um, anki
1: overthon could do some coaching maybe that's what she needs yeah i've always said i've always said that could be a good pick for her
2: yeah yeah why not I mean, let's look ahead to next week on tour. Or this week, I should say, as we are recording slightly later than usual on a Tuesday. Um, got a host of tournaments this week. We've got uh, Florence, uh, Gijon, uh San Diego, Cluj. Um, I have lots going on, um, especially San Diego. I'd imagine we've got a lot of top names there. The, the The final kind of lineup for the the WTA Finals is, you know, still yet to be decided. We've only got two players qualified already. Uh, well, I think Pagula actually. So making it three. Who are your eyes on this week? Where Where are you looking? What are your What are you most looking forward to for this this week
0: on tour? Yeah, I think uh, San Diego is probably the place to be. I feel like these five hundred events are almost like more intriguing and exciting than like some of the thousand events that that we have. Um, given the the quality and uh, as you said, like the kind of the race really to to Fort worth, which which sounds really bizarre, I think, just, just saying it out loud. But, you know, it's, it's the state we're in given, you know, the WTA's kind of standoff with China. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who, you know, makes their play this week because they're all, you know, all the players looking to qualify are there or thereabouts. And it's so very tightly compacted, um, you know, Coco Goff, Caroline Garcia... Um, you know, Sakari, Kasatkina Sabalenka um, are all um, in San Diego. For, so for me, it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out on top there. And it almost feels like those, yeah, these ranking points are going to be very, very decisive um, when it comes to who, um, yeah, who ends up in that final eight, um, you know, in the United States for the, yeah, the WTA finals.
1: Yeah, and there's a big, cur- I've been looking at all the spreadsheets. There's a big curveball coming with the, a late 1,000 tournament in Guadalajara. And so I've been looking at the spreadsheet. I have to say, Kim, I'm a bit worried. I did look at the spreadsheet and saw that if Garcia goes out in the first round, like she has done in San Diego, then she needs to put in a really good performance at Guadalajara in in the coming weeks. So that is a cause for concern. I don't want to alarm you too much, but um, I am also, unsurprisingly um in San Diego because um Bianca has had that great win over over in the first round, which I don't think many mm. people would have picked. Hopefully she's back in business. And I saw um a tweet about the end of twenty nineteen and people thought it would be the like the big three of WTA would be Osaka, Ashbarty and Bianca uh Andrescu. And it's it's really when you think about kind of Bianca still just kind of trying to pick up some match wins and get herself back to fitness and the absent um Osaka at the moment and retired Barty you do just think it would be so great if one of them um well one of the two remaining playing could really get something going um so hopefully um Bianca will have a good run but I'll give a little a little nod to Florence there's um Felix is playing and so is Berrettini and that will be an entertaining weekend it'd be great if we could get um some Italian interest there but I think it'd be um a good a good addition to the tour um with the absence of the the asian swing and there's one in florence this week and there's another um in italy next week as well so um the italian swing could be quite fun
2: yeah exactly and it's all you know the end of season um finals are obviously out there so they have quite a lot at this time don't they yeah my, my highlight of the week was, was going to be to see what Caroline Garcia would do, but we've we've seen that already. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm draw. scratching my draw. head now. I thought it yeah. was
0: it not going to be Jacqueline Christian coming out in a cape in uh, in <laughs> in Cluj. Well, uh,
2: let's 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 hope so because I know that really. That really cheered you up, didn't
0: it, last yeah. year, Joel, when that happened. So, I know I, mean, yeah. I mean unfortunately she's already been defeated, so I No uh, I
1: hope...
2: She in the doubles. Well, yeah, I don't <laughs> know, but a... yeah, she's
1: not in uh, not in, she's no... out in the she's out in both.
2: Oh, oh. she lost to uh,
1: our very own Harriet Dart and oh, Nicholas. The people. Cape is cursed. The Cape yep, is the cape. cursed. Um
0: yeah, but good uh good yeah, a couple good wins for Dominic Team and uh yeah, Andy Murray today over Davidovich Fikina, the sixth seed in Hijon. Um so uh, yeah I'll be curious to see how they kind of get on Andy Murray. Yeah, I think he's got quite a nice quite a nice little draw here that um he could do some damage in. So um another player to
1: keep my eye on. I've got on. a question for you guys. So Eger we just talked about this. Eger was very quick um and very early to pull out of the Billie Jean King Cup um because she had to go from Europe to the US. So she's just done almost the exact same thing going from Estrada to San Diego to play in the tournament. And it makes you think that, is it something to do with the fact that there's the ranking points that are available? I mean, she's got an awful lot of ranking points. I'm not sure why it would be, but it is a little bit odd that we're already seeing her make that journey um, after playing such a full week of tennis and such a long final um, at this stage of the tournament, of the tournament of the year. That's a bit odd, isn't it?
2: I suppose so but you know she, she yeah because well, if you're already there uh, qualified you know what's the what's the need to to play it perhaps but maybe she's got a bit of FOMO
1: yeah Or actually to be honest she, maybe she's just going to stay in North America or she wants to, yeah, yeah exactly. Guadalajara and then Fort Worth it makes sense actually bit of it's definitely sun. it's definitely the scheduling of going yeah. back and back, then back, coming back, back again back and forth yes. back
0: and forth is I think yeah. for me the, that makes sense the makes issue.
1: sense She's going to have that for free. It's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she defeated you. Yeah. Um no, good shout. But yeah, I think um all eyes on San Diego. Um it's all all to play for really. It's very very close mm. with the the final position. so that's uh, going to be exciting. Um I think that brings us to a to a close for for another week uh for our our three well, 30 oh, episode 301 but a belated celebration for uh the big 300 from last week.
0: Yes, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 301 of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on to stay up to date on all the action to come on the ATP and WTA tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
2: And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. And let us know all your thoughts, feedback, comments or any questions you may have for the mailbag as well. Uh, You can also email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website www.tennisweekly.co.uk.
0: And we will be back next time at Tennis Weekly HQ for our latest tour catch up so I hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from Kim goodbye and it's goodbye from Chris goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon